Hi y'all, before we get started, I want to let you know that Lena, our guest, has a fashion collection coming out on April 30th, so keep an eye out. Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And our guest is... Hi! My name is Lena Harbali, and I'm known in the art community as a fashion designer, but I'm now developing and I'm calling myself a multidisciplinary artist because not only do do I design clothes, I also have been writing for a long time, and I just released an EP on Spotify. So I've given my or given myself a chance to really like explore um everything that brings me joy so i'm no longer just putting myself into that box of being a fashion designer um and i'm considering myself a multidisciplinary artist so and i'm also a syrian queer woman so that i'll just put that out there <laughs> um, and you grew up in detroit right so detroit is like uh my go-to when people ask me like where i'm from because i really kind of traveled around a lot. I was born in Michigan. Detroit is the um, place that I spent the longest time as an adult. It it really like felt like home to me, but we traveled around a lot because of my dad's work. So I kind of like consider myself like a global citizen. Um, When I meet people who like are born and raised in Detroit, they're like, you're not from here, are you? And I'm (laughs) like, not really, but yes, but no. So where are you from is a complicated question. It really is. Yeah. Especially like when you travel around a lot as a kid, like your identity just kind of is formed based on everywhere you go. So um, but like I said, I spent the most time as an adult in Detroit and I kind of really found my identity. I found my tribe. I really like developed as an artist. So that's always going to be home to me no matter where I go. Where all did you live as a kid before kind of finding that home base? Man. (laughs) um so let's see so when I was in kindergarten and first grade we lived in Belgium um and though like as a like I was just a little kid right so the only thing I remember was the grass was really green the chocolate was really good and the slides were really long like that's like (laughs) all I remember (laughs) from being a kid all of that sounds Um, good and then we (laughs) It was hella awesome. Like, I really liked it there. Then we came back to Michigan for a while. And then we, in 2004, we moved to Japan. And that's like uh, Hiroshima, actually. So that's like one of the biggest uh, influences on me because we stayed there for a total of four years. And I'm 25. Sorry, just turned 26. But I basically spent my middle school years there. So like, that was like a really influential time for me I went to an international school and so it was like people from all over the world and I got to see all these different perspectives and there was like Japanese kids that would come to learn English and then we were there learning Japanese so it was like just this mismatch of cultures um, that and I think had I not had that experience I wouldn't be as open-minded as I am now because, um, for example, like my younger siblings, like there's a huge age gap. Like they spent their whole lives in like um, private Muslim schools where it's just like all Arabs. So they have a completely different perspective on the world. Whereas me, I'm just kind of like everyone has their own thing. And who am I to be like, I'm right and you're wrong, you know, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that experience in Japan. Um, 
and it also really shaped like my my fashion and my art because like like you know like yeah yeah i see that yeah okay right on nice um yeah so like just like the kimonos and like the fabric like they, they really love color and you know people ask me like oh do you like anime and i'm like well over there it wasn't anime it was just cartoons on tv like everything right? was like so like so my <laughs> earlier drawings and even like some of my fashion sketches have like that anime kind of vibe to it so yeah it really it really influenced my art even to this day um and i really want to go back uh because because like i said that's where I, where i kind of started my whole fashion interest like i really loved the streetwear over there so i definitely one of my goals hopefully after the pandemic uh settles down a little bit I want to go back and do Tokyo Fashion Week because the streetwear over there is like on point. So, yeah. yeah. As, a, um, as a kid, <laughs> I, I lived in Japan for three years as a kid. And I also oh was my God. so heavily influenced by that period of life. And I, I attribute a lot of like the ways I think about things to that time of life. So I totally understand. And also with the kimonos, I just I love the art that is just the wrapping. Um, that mm-hmm. that's really special where did you um live in japan we were don't mind me asking oh yeah we were um right outside it was just my mom and me and we were just right outside uh tokyo in chiba okay and yeah it was a great experience i think that was like heavily influential um, that's so cool yeah, like so that. that's the first uh person that i've met like me who's also lived in japan so this is yeah. really exciting <laughs> yeah i know i was excited when you brought that up because like i i get it Yay. just even just those few years are just like totally that just like changed the narrative for me too yeah for so many and reasons. they have like a they have like a really um different culture over there too like one thing that really stuck with me was like I remember waking up really early to go to school um, because we were kind of outside of the city. So we had to take a long bus ride and it was maybe like five in the morning. And I looked outside and our neighbor was like this 80 year old woman and it was like windy the day before. So there was like leaves on the street and she was like this tiny little woman who couldn't even stand up straight. But she was like out there like sweeping the street. And that's just like the culture. Like you take you take care of your neighbors, you take care of your your neighborhood and it's more of like a collectivist society rather than uh, individualistic like the U.S. So I think that really like stuck with me. Me too. Um, um, I remember like yeah. after like after school, we would all stay and clean the school. And that was just like a ritual. Mm-hmm. And it made sense. It's like we're the ones using the school. We, we clean it. And it's like right. it makes so much sense. And we would just like raise our hands and be like, I want... I, I remember being like, I want the boys' bathroom because at the time that was such an exciting <laughs> thing, like excuse to go oh into that God. bathroom. That's um, hilarious. But, yeah, so my best friend <laughs> and I would do that. Um, uh, but yeah, I do agree. I really, uh, I really love how everyone just takes responsibility together for their environment. Actually, mm-hmm. cares about it. Um, yeah, I thought that was a, like a special aspect of that culture too. So yeah, that's awesome. So you started out. Um, so when, like, how did you start exploring other mediums of art? Like, or I guess like on, when, or... or was like design your first medium you were working in? When people ask me like, oh, how long have you been an artist? Or like, when did you start making art? Because I told you I also like I draw, I paint, like, and I'm just like, 
as soon as I could hold a crayon, like I was making stuff. Like I've just always been an artist. Like I've always been drawing. Like I remember being in elementary school, like the kids would be like, oh, can you show me how to draw this? Show me how to draw that. Like, can you draw me? Like it was just like always a part of me. And then my earliest memory of being a fashion designer, I actually don't remember it. My mom like showed me a picture. I was going through a hard time and like struggling my business. And she's she sent it to me and it was like, one of those things that came at the right moment she was like just remember that you've you've always been a designer and you're you're meant to oh i'm gonna get emotional she's like you've always you've always been a designer and you were meant to do this because like you were like four or five years old when you did this and it was like this little like misshapen head and like a (laughs) little piece of fabric that i cut out as like the shape of a t-shirt and it had like like these little buttons glued on it with a belt and like little pants and i was like oh my god it's so cute and she's like i know right so that was like my my earliest recorded memory of like designing fashion. But I, st- I have vivid memories of because um, my mom, obviously, like I grew up in a Muslim household. So my mom wore hijab. And so she, you know, she had like a bunch of different hijabs. And I remember being a kid and like just raiding her drawer and like tying things together and like putting it on me and pretending to be like a princess or whatever. Like I was always one to be like. Like I was always called like a daydreamer or a dreamer or whatever, always like in that imaginative play. So whatever I could get my hands on and we we weren't, you know, uh, well off. So it's not like I had like access to like all these materials or whatever. But like, you know, if my mom was getting ri- rid of some like pajamas or whatever and I liked I liked the cloth, I would take it and like cut it up and make something else out of it. Like that's just how I started as a kid. I feel really lucky because when I meet people as adults who like still don't know what they want to do with their life I'm like I've always known like I've always known that this is something that makes me happy I like to tell a story of like I wasn't I wasn't always very communicative Um, even now I'm like tripping over my words I'm I was never diagnosed but I'm definitely dyslexic and I used to always like trip up over my words and like just couldn't find the right things to say I was very shy so art was like my way of speaking it was my way of expressing myself and fashion it's like if I put on like a funky outfit like I don't gotta say anything like you you already know what's up like fashion was my way of like learning to express myself and like develop an identity before I even knew like what that meant or like how it would impact others and then later on like I realized like how powerful clothing actually is especially like you know I grew up watching my mom like struggle with her weight and she was always like very insecure about her body and then by the time I learned how to make clothes for people like I was able to make her like custom stuff she was like one of my first people that I designed for and it was like amazing to see how someone felt when the clothes actually fit them and it was actually something that they liked and so that kind of put me on a trajectory of uh the career path that I have which is like using clothes to help people express themselves um especially i would say like alternative bodies you know like i'm not talking about like just the size zero models and all that stuff like i'm talking about like real people and helping them express themselves and just feel beautiful in their skin so like I, yeah it's just always it's just always been a part of me and i've always like i guess i just uh was good at like following my curiosity like it was always just curiosity like what can I do with this how can I use this material 
to do something. Yeah, I, I just never stopped. <laughs> That's awesome. I love how bold your pieces are, but also I could see anyone feeling comfortable in them. Thank you. Know. That means yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Also, they're just awesome. We'll include some pictures. Um, yeah. No, but uh, I, I think there's like like kind of what you were saying, like so much of like what is considered like fashion for larger bodies is about like hiding things or being apologetic. And it's, I don't know, everything about your work is very like unapologetic. It's like this is the thing, this is a body, like, yeah. it's, it's loud, it's there, it, it can be loud without using words, and I really love that about it. But- wow, it, like, it still amazes me in the best way that, like, people just feel me, like, they just feel the energy, and they just see what I'm trying to say, because, again, like, I, I just recently started, like, you know, writing about my mission, and, like, go, you know, going on podcasts, and, like, talking to people, but, like, the fact that, like you can just look at my art and like you get it like that still like hits me and like it's just still it feels amazing and I'm so glad to hear that like it's amazing yeah it really it really comes across it does it it really resonated with me when you said that like words have not always been easy for you I I've struggled I've always Mm -hmm. struggled with words and like other ways of communicating I think like sometimes just work better and and I don't know I'm, yeah I don't know I'm glad you brought that up yeah sometimes like words. sometimes words are not the best way to communicate yeah definitely but I don't know how much you guys are into like spirituality and like chakras and stuff but like I just got into that recently and like a friend of mine was like you really need to work on your throat chakra and I was like what does that mean? Interesting. <laughs> Maybe basically. I do too. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's basically just like being able to speak your truth. And I thought that I was doing that through my art. But in reality, like, again, because I was very shy, I was very timid. When I first started my fashion career, like I even like during my runway shows, like I wouldn't come out and like walk the runway out just you know those like fashion designers that kind of like peek around the corner like wave yeah. and like oh, run back okay, yeah. backstage that was me but then like I slowly evolved to be like no like I also deserve to be on this runway so I ended up making myself clothes and I would take a lap at the end and like so like I've slowly evolved from being kind of like letting my art kind of be my my armor or my shield and that's why a lot of like my clothes actually have like that kind of armor kind of looked kind of feel to them because like I, I was hiding behind it. I was like using it to protect me. Um, like I didn't want to be vulnerable. But now I'm like, you know what, the type of person that I want to be and the type of work that I want to do in this world, it's not just about art. It's about it's all of it. And and if I want to put myself out there, like I really need to be the face of the brand and I need to speak up and use my words. So like. The past couple years have been about healing the throat chakra and just like getting out there and like using my words as much as possible. So I love that. I'm going to read so again, up I appreciate that. you guys for having me on. Yeah. No, thank you for coming on. Um, to be honest, like doing this podcast has made me like so much more comfortable just talking about myself and talking about my ideas. Like I, I relate to being a words person as a writer, but not as a speaker. Like I was also one of those shy kids who turned to art including performing arts um which like people don't really associate that with like being really shy and introverted but Mm -hmm. about like i'd say like about half of performers are people who would rather be on stage than at a social event and then the other half are the people who are like performing 24 7 you know 
Yeah. That's really interesting. Like, I never would have thought, but I guess, like, my interpretation of that is, like, maybe it's easier to play a character than to be yourself. Yeah. I don't know. Like, for, for some people, perhaps. I, I, um, I or, think... like, you're you're given the words to say, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not always playing a character, but I think that's just something, it's something different. Like, you already have the, there's, you have the license to be there, you know? Like, this is mm-hmm. this official sanctioned space for you to have attention in a way that even if you're not playing a character, it's about, it's not about you, the human, it's about you, kind of this like larger than life entity mm-hmm. or this artistic something. It I, Like I still feel so much more social anxiety than performance anxiety. They, they feel like totally different things to me. That makes sense I to me. I totally relate to that. Cause like I said about the, you know, the fashion design, like for a while I was like, I, I really, attached my self-worth to the concept of being a fashion designer because like you said like that's something that's like larger than life it's like it's like an identity but then in recent years I'm like stepping back from using that as a kind of shield or like a like you said like a license to to be a certain way like oh I can I can dress like this and be flamboyant and whatever because I'm a fashion designer but now I'm like no this is who I am this is Lena like I'm gonna dress crazy. I'm gonna act crazy. Like this is me, <laughs> and I don't have to be. I don't have to be a fashion designer to do that. Um, but yeah, that makes. I, I totally understand. That makes total sense. Yeah. 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 I guess um, I'm curious. Uh, so you said you started like modeling your own clothes, which is like a little more like mm-hmm. performative in the spotlight. Um, what's that? What's that process been like for you? I actually want to shout out a friend of mine, Leah Vernon. I don't know if you guys have heard of her. She describes herself as a fat black Muslim turban wearing model. So that's that's like her tagline. She's also a Detroit born artist. And the first time I modeled was um, her and I collaborated on like a design. So I made a dress for her. And then I was like, you know what? Like, why don't I just like make myself an outfit that matches? And then we went to do the photo shoot with her. And I was like, man, I should just jump in on these photos. And just like seeing her because, again, she's like plus size um you know she wore the wore the turban and that's like something that I've never seen growing up like I didn't growing up I didn't see people modeling who looked like that so it was like so inspiring to me um and that's why it's really important for me to be very visible in my work because I want others to be inspired by me the way I was you know by her and others like her so it was kind of one of those things like yeah why not me all these other people get to be models like why can't I be a model And just to give a little history on that, I actually suffered from extreme body dysmorphia when I was in high school. I actually was anorexic. Like I would starve myself, go on all these diets. Like I would binge and purge. Like it was, I had a really, really fucked up relationship with my body. And modeling became a way to kind of embrace my body. Um, So I started modeling maybe like three or four years ago. And it's been awesome. Like it's like, I, I still feel awkward in front of the camera. I'm sure that will go away eventually or it will change. But when you see the pictures, it's like when you have body dysmorphia, you look in the mirror and you're like, you know, you feel some type of way about your body. But then the photographer has a way of like capturing you in a way that you couldn't see yourself. And it kind of like, you'll see these pictures and you'll be like, damn, is that me? Like, wow. Like, so it, yeah, it really helped me like um, kind of overcome a lot of my body image issues. And ironically, like I'm 5'11", I've been the same weight 
since high school. So like my body has not changed, but my relationship with my body has changed. Back then I was like, oh my God, I want to be like, I literally wanted to look like Taylor Swift. In the Arab world, there's like colorism for sure. So I was like blonde hair, blue eyes, light skin, skinny. That's what I wanted to look like. And now I'm like, oh my God, I love it. Like, I love that I have that, the dark hair. I love that I have the curves. Like, it's just crazy how just like a small shift in your perspective can change everything. So like modeling definitely changed my life. And then to take that a step further, like it is on my Instagram, but I don't really like publicize it a lot but i was an art model for a while for two years and if you don't know what an art model is it's like it's like paint me like one of your french girls you know it's like it's like where you yeah it's like you know you sit there super still fully in the nude and people draw you and that was like another opportunity to see people's like perspectives of me because like every artist would draw me in a different way you know, like some artists would draw like kind of like an abstracted, weird version. I'd look kind of weird. But then some artists would do like a super realistic version. And it's like, wow, this is like what they're actually seeing. And the artwork was all, always beautiful. So I would recommend anyone, if you've if you've got the guts to sit naked, try being an art model. It's like it was one of the most freeing things that I've ever done. That's um, I definitely would do it. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. I don't know if I'm there yet. <laughs> it took me a while. It took me a while, but I was just like, fuck it. <laughs> and that's how I do. That's how I do most scary things. I'm like, well, I could either do it or not do it. And uh, well, I guess I'm doing it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I relate like um, since high school, my body has pretty much looked the same um, objectively, but it's just it is like it shifts over time, like you know, in waves, mm-hmm. like how I see it look the same again, objectively, but that's just so different mm-hmm. from the subjective. So yeah. people who have listened to like the personal episodes of this podcast have like heard my rants on my brief misadventures in modeling, um, pandemic modeling mm-hmm. specifically. Pandemic modeling. Yeah, well, uh, okay, so like I'm a dancer and performances aren't happening. So dance companies are doing collabs with fashion people and um Mm. it's been interesting uh like and i'm happy to have work but it's also put me in a world i haven't had a lot of contact with and um has brought up like body dysmorphia issues and like in in weird entanglements with gender dysphoria stuff in a way that like i hasn't Mm. i've Mm -hmm. never quite been hit with um before in dance so i don't know it's it's really cool to see just other examples of what fashion and what modeling can be and how it can be about um not like normatizing that's not definitely not a <laughs> We're word just gonna but like norming that like associating bodies with a particular norm normalizing um, yeah yeah no nah, i don't know not about having one particular norm of what a body is supposed to look like and um stacking everything up in comparison to that one photo shoot that i did since coming to california actually that was like really groundbreaking for me because for the majority of my photo shoots i would like shave my armpits shave my legs like put makeup on and you know that was fine because I, I do i don't i don't necessarily have like a term for myself but like maybe like gender fluid or something like i don't know some days i dress more feminine some some days i dress more like neutral or masculine and like if someone mistakes me for he like i don't it doesn't bother me like it's just kind of i'm just kind of fluid like that so like on a day-to-day basis like i don't really wear makeup i don't shave my legs so but then for my for my modeling i just felt like i had to right i was like this is like something that i'm supposed to do but for this recent photo shoot, I was like, you know what? No makeup, 
I'm not shaving. And I, I, we, we went out to the Moavi desert. Um, and we, um, I think that was the, the picture that I sent you with the caption. Um, but, uh, I did, uh, kind of like, I would call like tasteful nudes or like semi nude where I'm like kind of covering the naughty bits, but, um, that was so empowering to take pictures like with my hairy legs and my hairy pits and no makeup. And like, I, I, I'm so glad that I did that because I look at those pictures and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm beautiful. And I didn't have to try. I didn't have to like alter my body. I don't know. And I get, I get the gender dysmorphia thing. Cause it's like, you know, I do identify as a woman, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm more than that. I don't know. That's like a whole, that's like a whole can of worms yeah. that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just complicated. But yeah, Very no, I, I, I get that with the shaving stuff. Like I had a fitting and I like went out and like, bought a razor because i was like i haven't done this in a while i guess am i Mm -hmm. supposed to do this like no one said i have to but like is this what i do now um and i'm like at the point where i don't have any personal issue with body hair like i think for like any i think for all arab people like we go through a thing with body hair like puberty hits and it's like wait why Mm -hmm. why why is my hair not like jessica's yeah (laughs) yeah um Oh my god! And I, I don't know. I've like definitely been through a thing about it, but like at this point, like I, that's not a thing I personally feel one way or another about. But then you mm-hmm. go into like a situation where it's like, oh, these people might have their other standards or their other just notions of what you're supposed to be looking like. Um, so it's it's just really cool to hear right. that you've been in um, in shoots where that's not the case. Yeah, and now like I kind of like purposefully don't shave like it's like a thing for me to like have hairy pits and show them off because it's like this is how I am naturally this is how I'm comfortable this is like the statement that I'm trying to make so why would I go and change my body and dilute my statement basically because it's not only body positivity in like the weight sense because I'm you know not a size zero I'm a curvy person it's not only not wearing makeup but it's also being comfortable with body hair. Like, it's just, like, all the above. So um, it's taken me some time, but I'm, like, slowly getting to that point where I'm, like, I'm not going to dilute my message anymore. I'm not going to try to fit in. Um, I'm just going to be me. And it feels so good. <laughs> this is a very affirming conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well, it's always the goal. Yeah. How about we talk about your music? Do you want to talk sure. about like the process of creating your recent album first off? Let's see. So my friend Damon, aka Firstborn Art, was the main collaborator. Uh, he had a recording studio in Detroit. And I knew that I was going to come out to L.A. and I wanted to finish recording and, you know, get it out on Spotify before I moved. So he helped me like record. Um, He had some producer friends that had beats. Um, So my EP is only it's only four songs. Two of them are rap songs. And I use beats from uh, his producer friends. I I do eventually want to learn how to make my own beats, but um, there was not time for that. But the two other songs, um, I'm actually teaching myself how to play guitar. So I played kind of like simple uh, little melodies on the guitar and I was singing. So the EP itself is not super cohesive. It's just kind of like, this is my music that I made. What's up? Kind of thing. As far as like 
how my music comes about that music was one of those things that I wasn't really allowed to pursue growing up because it's like as a woman like you don't sing in public that's that's haram or whatever like you don't want to bring attention to yourself so I think secretly I've always wanted to like be a rock star or whatever but like I just never never like said it out loud <laughs> and you know I was like I remember being young and like writing lyrics and lyrics and lyrics and then I kind of like shoved it in the back you know just shoved it to the back burner pursuing my fashion because that was more quote acceptable but then the pandemic hit and I was like I you know a lot of my gigs got canceled like I was at that point I was designing a lot of clothing for performers like specifically musicians because I just I've always loved music and like the energy and I asked myself like why do I love being around musicians so much and, it's, and it hit me and it's like oh because I'm a musician and yeah. I like I like dressing I these people that. but I should be dressing myself and making music. So like it oh kind God, of was like one of those Yeah, it was like one of those moments like like I connected the dots a little bit and I'm like, why why am I not making music? And it was like, well, it's because of this story I've been telling myself that that's not me, that's not who I am. I can't do that. And once I basically decided like, yeah, actually I can do this. Um I just and I had written like songs before like having that realization but I never like actually recorded them I just kind of you know had them in a notebook one of one of the, and usually what happens for my um for my writing process as far as lyrics is like something emotional or not necessarily traumatic but something like impactful will happen in my life and I just feel very inspired and I have to like get it out of me and like and then I ended up I end up like writing lyrics or sometimes I'll be just listening to some like lo-fi beats or whatever like as I'm you know painting or whatever and I just kind of like it just comes out so like <laughs> this month I actually told myself like I'm gonna write a new song but like it doesn't work that way like I have to like be inspired and like and it just it just comes out in like this endless flow one of the songs on the EP for example I wrote like a couple years ago um, right after I came out to my family and it was like a total shit show it was really traumatic and I was full of anger towards them and like I never thought I would speak to them again and um the song is called thanks for breaking me down and it was basically like you know you go your way and I'll go mine like basically like peace out I'm out like I'm doing my own thing and it was like kind of like a diss track <laughs> and it's just, it's just funny because I listen to it now and circumstances are different thankfully but yeah that's that's how I write my music it's just from like inspiration of things that are going on in my life and then, like I said, like I had help from a friend who like shout out to Damon, like like I could not have done it without him. And the songs were all over the place. They weren't necessarily cohesive, but I was like my message to creatives is like it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, just do it. Like, that's just my like it's my first EP. You know, I'm going to listen to it maybe in a year and like cringe, but like, I don't care. Like it's out there. It's on Spotify. And that's all I wanted. Like, I just wanted my music out there. And like one of my songs that's called Looking for Love is like, it talks about a lot of deep topics that I'm passionate about. And I knew that it was more important to like have that out there than for it to be like a perfect song. Like um, my, my music is about like the message and it comes from my heart. It comes from like a really introspective place. And I just want to continue making music which is why i'm excited about moving to this place with a recording studio yeah. so i can start making more music well so, i feel I, yeah. I like that i like that you didn't feel pressured to like pigeonhole yourself in in that like 
all of your songs had to have a specific style or sound that like matched the others. Yeah. Um, I, uh, that's something I, I appreciate when people are just like, well, I, I like creating a variety of things and it's okay. They're not always going to like mm-hmm. look like the other things. Yeah, and it, it did feel cohesive to me. Yeah. Um, like stylistically, obviously they were really different from each other, but just mm-hmm. like, like you said, like they were all coming from the same place. They were all like very personal lyrics, and um, I don't know the way yeah. you describe your process. Like, you can't plan to write something; it just kind of comes out. Like, I feel like I feel that kind of um, like stream of consciousness throughout mm. the lyrics. Um, that seems like a through line. I'm really into like on this journey of like, you know, since coming out and going through like basically a lot of trauma, like I've, I'm on a journey of healing and stream of consciousness. Writing has been a huge thing for me. So a lot of times my music will come out that way where like because I try to do three pages a day and, you know, sometimes I'll just be writing and the lyrics will come out that way. So it, it does come from like a very subconscious place and I don't, I don't want to force it to be I don't know accepted by the industry or whatever maybe like putting it like you said putting it in a box like that's not ever my goal it's my goal is always authenticity and just like speaking from the heart and like making an impact so can I ask since you mentioned three pages a day were you doing the artist's way I read about the artist's way I didn't read the actual book but I okay. read about that so I guess Yes, but also like it was something that my therapist recommended. Okay. And also I've always I've always journaled. And so I don't know, like writing three pages, I found that like the three page mark is like and sometimes I'll do more than three pages. Like the other day I I did six and it just kind of like came out of me because I had a lot to say. But um yeah, like three pages is where you kind of you know, you'll be writing and like as you write, you're like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. (laughs) Like it just like like it'll be stuff that are like it's, it's like stuff that's coming out like from your subconscious that you can't think about necessarily but like when you're writing it like connects the dots yeah so yeah, yeah. i i was doing three pages a day because of the artist's way recently <laughs> nadia yeah. and i were in this group that was like going through it um and i, Wait, can I my opinion oh. the actual book isn't that good but like yeah like it's... honestly the writing three pages a day is one of the most helpful parts of yeah it. <laughs> like three pages feels mm-hmm. like just right because it's like you don't feel pressured if, you know, if at, in one sitting you're like, oh my God, I don't have enough to say, but you can still fill three pages. Like that's, it's fine, but it's also enough room to like get some stuff out and to be like, right. oh wait, this was, this has been like deep in there and I just like haven't been admitting it to myself. But yeah, I went through some like dark like, there are some dark pages that I don't even know if I want to reread from, like, a few months ago. Yeah. I was like, God, what is going on? Like, I know that for sure, like, writing really saved me when I was going through a really hard time with my family because, you know, I would have, like, epiphany after epiphany, like, oh, this is why my dad is like that. And, like, I wouldn't have had those epiphanies had I not been, like, writing it down because, like I said, it's just kind of, like, connecting the dots, like, when you're when you're in your head and you're just thinking it's so easy to get distracted by another thought and then your mind kind of goes to another to another thing but when you're writing and especially like it's been like I don't know several years now that not every single day but pretty consistently writing and you can look back and see patterns in your behavior and that has been like a huge thing for me like oh my god when x y and z happens i do x y and z and it's like so much easier to see it when it's all written down like that 
So yeah. it's definitely helped me a lot. I'm glad things are better with your parents now, by the way. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like I honestly thought that I would like never speak to them again. It was just so bad in the beginning. And I was very much of the perspective of like, no, you must accept me. Like, you must see my viewpoint. You must realize that, you know, I deserve to exist the way I do. Um, but one thing that my uncle said to me, and just like a backstory, my mom is like a white American. She grew up Catholic. So her side of the family is not Muslim. And then my dad is like Syrian and very like cultural and conservative. So I have like those two kind of clashes. So my uncle on my mom's side, he's he's always been very kind of free spirited. And he's like, you know, like, Lena, like you want them to accept you. You have to accept them first. In the beginning, I was just like, I can't, like, I'm just so angry. I can't, how can I accept them for being like bigoted? How can I accept them for being the way that they are? And now it's like, when I think about it and like the fact that they were, that we're speaking again, it's like, they didn't soften up. I did, you know, and it's not like I'm, I'm here like taking abuse or anything like that. I'm still very firm with my boundaries and there will still be moments where like we're talking about something and they want to get hung up on a certain thing and like, be like, I'm right, you know, but I will kind of remind them and be like hey like you can either be right or you know you can have a daughter like it's <laughs> it's like one thing or another like we can either have a relationship or you can be so hung up on this one thing it's been like a huge transformation in my family honestly like because I'm I'm like the first daughter so I kind of like really blew everything out of the water um but then now like my sisters have a lot more freedom and I feel like I accomplished what I've always wanted which is like to you know help them out like I've always been very protective of them and it was really hard leaving leaving home under those circumstances because I felt like I was abandoning them but now I know that I did the right thing because they see that there's more than one way to be and um, I've gained a new respect from my parents like you know my dad was never one to say he was proud of me but he said that recently they actually were really supportive of me moving to LA and it's just like night and day. It was like a process of like a four year long thing. I just started talking to them like right before the pandemic hit. So it's been a it's been a really interesting time. I'm glad your your siblings have kind of had you as a role model. And I'm sure that's meant a lot to them, whether or not they understand it or not. Yeah. Yeah. We we have a interesting relationship now because, you know, they were at home and they saw like my parents perspective, like they didn't see what I was going through. So like they were kind of for a while, like kind of approaching me or not, like not approaching me at all. Like I didn't wasn't able to speak to them. But kind of like with an air of caution she you know she's not doing the right thing she's not muslim whatever so they're still kind of like on the edge and like i still have to like gain their trust again in some ways but it's a lot better than it was before it sounds like things are at least like headed in a better direction hopefully yeah yeah wow we have a lot in common like the japan thing and like my mom is also white american and so the way that the way you're describing like your household i feel like i it's making me think like, oh, maybe it would have been similar if my parents had stayed together. It's just like interesting mm. to hear that. Um, it's like a sliding doors <laughs> parallel. My dad's Saudi, yeah. but I feel like it would have maybe been a similar um, dynamic. So I guess kind of stepping back a second, um, you talked earlier about now you're starting to like write more like artist statements and define your work in, in terms of your politics as well as uh, what you're creating. 
I'm curious because mm-hmm. I've also been honestly struggling with artist statements lately. Uh, what's mm-hmm. that process been like for you? Um, how do you feel that you can uh, communicate what you want to offer as an artist without putting yourself in a box? Um, and then also, how do you like navigate how your identity plays into that? Oof, that's a tough question because I'm still figuring it out myself. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, it, it takes me like, like I just redid my website, for example, and like the little like about me section, like it took me longer to write that than like editing most of the content on the website because again it's like words are very powerful and it's like the choice of one word versus another I really get hung up on that because like the words will put you in a box in one way or another so that's why I just started to um, honestly be less specific and just be like you know, instead of saying I'm a fashion designer, I say I'm a multidisciplinary artist. So it's just like all the above. And then really getting back to like my conscious efforts to make a statement in the world. Um, I really like when I'm writing about my art, I really think about, okay, what is what is my purpose behind making this art? How do I want people to feel when they see the art or interact with it? And how does this connect back with like my ultimate life view or or viewpoint about the world how do I like how do I want this art to impact people and then I basically just shape it that way that's I I wish I could give you a more concrete thing but like I'm still figuring it out myself and it's really it's really about just like knowing yourself deeply and like understanding like what you have to offer the world and how you want to use uh, what you have to offer to change the world again like I mentioned before like I was hiding behind my art for the longest time and it wasn't until recently that I started talking about like my issues with body dysmorphia my issues with my sexuality and like you know issues with dating toxic men and all that like it wasn't until I started to open up that people like the response was so positive like oh my god thank you for talking about this it's kind of like an experiment you know you just have to put yourself out there and just kind of see like okay do I like the response that I'm getting from this aspect of myself or would I prefer a different response so like for example, I didn't like the idea that like I always I always had hesitations about the fashion industry because it just felt so superficial and like it was it was just like plastic. And I was like, OK, how how can I take something that's superficial and make it spiritual and meaningful? And so I that's how I kind of shifted my Instagram, for example. Like I used to just post the, you know, pretty pictures like um of the outfits with like a little like kind of little caption that was like a little inspirational quote or whatever like basic as hell but that wasn't really resonating with me so then I started to post the same pictures the same beautiful quality pictures with like a really deep caption and that felt good to me it resonated with me but then it also resonated with the audience and people that I actually wanted to connect with then I was like okay I'm headed in the right direction Another thing is just asking yourself, do I feel expansive or does this give me like a contracting feeling? I'm lately I've been really exploring what it means to kind of like be in tune with your body as far as like intentions and like your actions and stuff. And it's like so you might, for example, like write a caption and or whatever you're writing and just like read it. And if you feel if you feel like light and like energetic and excited like yeah like this is going to get me places for example when I wrote that story that I sent you guys 
I was like, I just felt like, oh my God, it was like, it was like a weight that lifted off my chest. Like, like I finally like said my story, like I had said parts of it before, but it had never been so like concise like that. And like, even though I was nervous to post it, I still felt that light energetic feeling. So I knew that it was right. So it's really about like just tapping into your body and like asking yourself, like, how does this make me feel? And as cliche as that sounds, like that's, that's all I got for you. <laughs> that's no, all I no. got for you. I, I love that. Like the idea of like using like very like visceral, physical intuition, even for something like writing, like people don't talk about tuning into your body to know what sentence to write. Um, but mm -hmm. you can. Yeah. Another thing is also like, you know, some people have difficulty writing. So you could try like saying it out loud or like recording a video for me that wasn't like the best way because I've always been a stronger writer than I was like a speaker even though I'm working on my speaking ability but um, for some people they can speak really well but they can't put it on paper so you can try like recording a video of yourself talking and then just like just transcribe what you what you said because it comes out more naturally that way for some people so so I know you just moved, but um, what do you have, like, yeah. what have you been, like, working on or what do you have coming up or what do you, you What's think? next? Yeah, yeah, what's next for you? What's next? So I've been telling myself for a while that I wanted to write a memoir. And after I posted that story that I sent you guys, like, I got so many messages like, oh, my God, when are you writing a book? Yes, Whenever you write that nice. book, like I'm reading it. I'm all over it. And I was like, oh, I know, I know, I know. I've been telling myself this for so long. So I'm finally going to do it, especially because like it hit me out of the blue. I don't know why I was like thinking that it was going to be so complicated. But I'm like, oh, my God, I can just freaking like publish it on Amazon. Like I don't even have to do I don't even have to find a publisher. Like I can just even if I wanted to make it just like a pdf on my website i could do that so again back to the whole like just fucking do it <laughs> like don't wait like don't wait for situations to be perfect like just do it i'm working on my memoir and now that i'm here in a space that has a recording studio i really want to get into podcasting actually oh hey. good it's fun so right? yeah, it fun. <laughs> yeah. So um, podcasting and or just like YouTube videos, like talking about like spirituality and self-help and stuff like that, because like I said, I really want to expand from just being an artist to being just like an all around healer and just like someone who because my art already the purpose of my art is to like expand consciousness and like change how people think about things. But I'm just allowing myself the freedom to dip into all these different mediums that I feel like would help me with that. So like writing my memoir um and it's gonna be obviously talking about like my sexuality and stuff like that and i really want that to help people um in that regard and then the videos and then i'm also gonna be starting a new collection a new fashion collection i haven't really publicized this yet but i the the, the collection is gonna be called queen's armor um and it was inspired by this is like super random but <laughs> i saw it was like christmas and one of my roommates was playing the Kanye West church service. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it was like really amazing. And there was this one line that they said, we put on the armor of the king so that we may, so that we may stand and uh, fight against the enemy. And I was like, whew, that hit me. Like, and then it made me think like, yeah, like when I put on something that makes me feel epic and powerful, like I am, more vibrationally that's like a new word i'm making up but 
my vibrations are more to the point where they're more powerful. Like I'm more able to be a positive person. I'm more able to do the work that I'm meant to do. So my past work, yes, it has vibrant colors and yes, it has patterns and stuff. But my goal this time is to be even more bright and loud and just like in your face. Like I want, I want my outfits, like you look at it and just like slaps you across the face. Like, oh my, like, <laughs> like I want it to be that powerful. So um, that's the collection I'm working on. And I'm really excited because the fashion district here in LA is so cool. Like there's just so much fabric and that's something that I didn't have access to in Detroit. Like it's just like endless materials. I f it's like a kid in a candy shop right now. So um, yeah, the fashion collection, the memoir and the videos are what I'm working on. And I also do want to make some more music, but I'm not going to force it. I'm just going to let it happen. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like that needs to just come when it comes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Where can people follow you or keep up with you? So my Instagram is at Lena Harbley. My website is lenaharbley.com. And you can find me on Facebook, Lena Harbley as well. So just my name. Just Sweet. Google me. I'll be there. <laughs> Sweet. And same for us, Twitter, Facebook, and Insta, The Queer Arabs. You can find us. There, you can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com and our website is thequeerarabs.com. <laughs> <laughs>